I'm Jack and you're listening to Starstruck. This week we're hearing from a lovely couple, Maggie and Gwen, who have so much wisdom to share with us about how it takes some time to figure out what you need, reaffirming attachment in adult relationships, and going from 0 to 100 with parenting. It's such a sweet and honest story and I really think it helped me when I was learning about love. I actually interviewed them in 2018, which was halfway through my two-year stint of being single, where I was really focused on therapy and self-exploration, and so hearing them talk about their own growth was super inspiring and helpful for me. We recorded in a hotel lobby, and there are a few moments with background noise, so please give us some grace with that. Okay, I'm super excited to share this, so let's get into it. Okay, we're rolling. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves really fast? I'm Maggie. And I'm Gwen. Thank you guys so much for meeting with me. Of I'm so excited to hear about your love story. Um, okay, so first of all, can you tell everybody um, how you guys identify? Gwen identifies me probably better than I've ever identified myself, and that's being both Max and Maggie. Um, I, I grew up kind of super tomboyish, and I've always had this sort of nondescript I mean, I haven't really identified necessarily with being a woman, and certainly not with being a man. I've just kind of been me. But she sees like this masculine and kind of feminine, these two sides of me that come out, so it's interesting. But I've, uh, I came out when I was 20, and I've identified as lesbian since then. Um, yeah. I didn't come out until I was 33, and I've always hated the term lesbian. I think it was just because I grew up um, very religious. So identified as gay, and so I just kind of use the term gay, although I feel more like a tomboy. So that's, I think that's where I'm at. Cool, awesome. So can you guys um, tell the story of how you met? <laughs> you start, and then I'll fill in okay. where you. Um, we were actually in grad school together, but we were living in different states doing an online program. And I checked the roster for my classes, and saw this little thumbnail of a very cute girl who I instantly <laughs> told, told my niece about, like, there's this really cute girl in my classes, and, um, yeah, so, uh, that was from, I was in San Francisco and she was in Portland at that time, and so, uh, after probably, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks of kind okay, of... Okay, wait, 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 so she introduced herself in my first class with her, and she's like, um, and underneath her name it says Margaret, and I'm thinking... Yeah, yeah. I'm not a Margaret. <laughs> yeah. She goes, everybody calls me Maggie. I was like, okay, that's better. <laughs> she said, I have a hotel in Ecuador, and my life dream has been to live abroad. And I'm thinking, how in the world does someone do that? How do they, have, how do they move abroad? Like, so I was fascinated immediately with so the messages started <laughs> human who was kind of living a life that I, was, I had thought was impossible my whole life so yeah so then I in the um, within the program of the school online you can message people and so I was like sent her a message right then and there Ecuador <laughs> how did that happen something like that Okay, now you can Yeah, continue. so that's kind of where it started, and it took a, a couple weeks for us to realize that we had to meet because it didn't seem yeah. real. Um, we're both in our 40s, and I I'd had... I was 41. Yeah, I was 40, I guess. Was yeah. I 40? Yeah. It must have been. Um, and I'd had a number of unsuccessful relationships, and it felt like, you know what, it's better. There's a saying in Spanish. 
I'm mejor, es mejor solo que mal acompañado, and it, it is better to be alone than to be with the wrong person. I firmly believe that. Um, so I had kind of given up on finding somebody, and yeah, and it I was a bit shocking. And I had a list of requirements <laughs> of things that I absolutely did not like. And I fit all of them. <laughs> so I did, I hated being in Oregon and, and from Portland. I hated Californians because they were moving into Portland, driving up the rent. They can't drive. They're so rude, blah, blah, blah. So I hated Californians. Check. And I hated, like, trust funders who, you know, didn't have to worry or didn't have to really care about where their money came. Anyway, so Maggie's family um, has yep. more means, so she's out from means. Um, I hated pot smokers because I was in addiction counseling and just really thought that that was a horrible thing um, and it's one of the medications that Maggie uses. Um, one, two, three, what are the other? Oh, I could not Very stand people who were like visibly gay. out, visibly gay, so in your face. Um, like really, do you have to do every single stereotype that there is just to prove like wear Patagonia and socks with Keens and drive a Subaru, like those things. Um, she didn't drive a Subaru, but she was very openly um, gay and very okay with it, which also I didn't like. What was the fifth thing? Maybe there was only four, but no. they were really Anyway, I really ones. hit all of them. And yeah. I was like, gosh, damn it. <laughs> all these things I judged my whole life. <laughs> That's basically what it is. So whatever I'm judging, I'm like, how can you just be every stereotype? And Yeah. So here I am, <laughs> every stereotype. Yeah. No, but the the I think for me the the funny thing was that I was it took me being at a point at least in, in my experience to completely let go of the idea of finding that person um, in order to find her, and they always joke about that like you have to stop looking to find it. Yes. But there is something true to that I think because I I sought it before, and with Gwen it was just like oh my God here's this person and she's. She seems too good to be true, so yeah. 12 hour drive later and meeting her, it was like, okay, okay, we needed to kind of make sure that it was all what we thought. And it was, I mean, it, it's it's not easy. There's nothing easy about relationships. It's a lot of work, but um, you have to find the person who's worth yeah. the work, Yeah. I think. Yeah. And I think for me now, it, like being where I'm at, I just get to allow Maggie to be whatever and whoever she is in that moment and there's I don't have to control it and it doesn't reflect on me like it's lovely to kind of have that rec recognition of I can be with a human and be myself and they can be themselves and there's no control there and that's lovely that I think is um, probably one of the best things about being in love with someone truly is that you don't have any desire to change them, control them, or whatever. So yeah. unconditional and no expectations. No expectations. Like mm -hmm. we have, we said our vows when we got married, and those are our our basis when we first met. And it was really, really hard. Was brutal honesty, and so we were really, really honest. And and it was hurtful at times, but it was so nice because there were no games. And yeah, I was no bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was actually one of the greatest things was kind of like, okay, if I'm going to do this, mm -hmm. you're going to know every everything about me. Mm -hmm. Here, sign on the bottom. <laughs> you're okay with this. This is like the disclaimer, mm -hmm. liability release. Um, I think that was yeah. actually one of our first conversations was where we just said, okay, I'm going to tell you my shit and here it is. Yeah. And I think that was probably the easy, or made it everything else easier. Yeah, then there's no, kind of like, cut that out of the way. How do I approach this? You know. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's oh very cool God. that you guys knew what your shit was. Absolutely. That's, Which takes a certain yeah. amount of time, I think. I and think I think so, so many of us are eager. I mean, they joke about, you know, the U-Haul. Like lesbian story, and my family joked about that with us because it was like literally I moved up to Portland a week after Gwen and I met, Um, and then we ended up moving down to California. Within you know a few months, we were engaged. Um, All these things that happened really fast. I'm bipolar, so my family was like, "Are you manic? What is this?" I was like, "No, I just finally found that person who." Who can can put up with me and be like okay with me? She studied bipolar in her MSW. I'm in master's in social Uh, work, and that was one of that was kind of ironic, but yeah, very helpful. And the only like when she told me that actually that was the fifth thing, and the the thing I had to ask was if she was medicating and and if it was helping, and if she was properly doing self care therapy. You've had years of therapy. I've Mm -hmm. had years of therapy, and it really shout out therapy. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) absolutely. No, I swear by it. But I think that was that was a big part of like being able to know ourselves. We had to have gone through some stuff that we didn't. I mean, I'm in my 20s or early 20s when I first started like, oh, this is really lovely. Like, I want to find that person. I had no idea what my shit was. I really didn't. And it took me kind of going through all those experiences and being like, okay, each time sort of realizing, okay, this is a lovely character trait, but I need I need somebody who's, you know, I don't know, like it just sort of like finding what it is that I needed, but also who I was Mm -hmm. and what were the things that made me a challenging partner, and there are plenty of them, and Gwen is just really, really hearty and okay (laughs) with all those things, Um, but I think it did take getting to a place where it was like, um, I had to really, I, I didn't fall in love with Gwen because she made me feel good about myself, I fell in love with her because of who she is, which I think in the past... That was not the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, I fell in love with people because it was like, I fell for people because there was this, like, this feeling of, oh, well, this person likes me and that feels good. And that's the wrong reason, I think, mm-hmm. to get involved with no, them. I absolutely adore Maggie. I, her courage, she's so, so brave in ways that I can't be and I know I never will be. And so I think I just, you have to really admire the person that you're with and she's not perfect I'm not perfect and we both know that but we're perfect for each other there's a what we tell each other is you fill in my cracks there's a Japanese um, tradition when you break a bowl or when a bowl cracks they fill it in with gold and that's kind of like how we feel to each other so sweet you're gonna make me cry you're gonna make me cry i'm very teary normally but yeah thanks for that babe (laughs) there's a word for it but yeah (laughs) yeah Um, that's totally how it feels though it's like having somebody because i think i've always felt like i don't want to be dependent on a person to feel whole and i don't think a person needs to i felt very very whole before i met gwen um, but there is something about having somebody who does kind of like fill in. Mm-hmm. And we both cracks. have some attachment issues from our childhood. And so it's, um, it's been kind of lovely to kind of re reaffirm attachment with each other. Mm. So that's, yeah. that's been really interesting too. We both have like really, abandonment yeah. issues and those types of things. And so we get to kind of test the waters and push boundaries between each other and recognize unconditional love kind of for the first time. Oh my God. This is so inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we have, I mean, we fight, we have yeah. arguments, we get angry, but we always, our, our key thing is, you know, respect. 
Awesome. Yeah, and it's been good actually because our um, Gwen has two kids that she had before I met her. I was married at 19. With real, I grew up um, Mennonite, and so I was married at 19 and had my son at 21. So we have a 23-year-old son <laughs> and a 19-year-old daughter, and I'm, I went from zero to 60 in the parenting yeah. thing, and um, it's been really lovely for Riley, for our daughter, because uh, with Gwen's previous partner, there was no, like, no visible, like, um, relationship stuff happening like she yeah. didn't get to see mm-hmm. arguments she didn't get to see healing she didn't get to see like getting a little pissed off and then at the end of the day totally being fine with one another mm-hmm. so she never got to see any of those things which I never did with my parents either I know Gwen had a very like I mean you never saw what actually was mm-hmm. and so it's really like it's nice for us because we're hoping that in the future Riley will know like mm-hmm. okay it's okay if we fight but we have to be respectful and we have to come to my my grandparents always said like don't go to bed angry and i firmly believe mm-hmm. that that's a really important thing for a couple mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah i definitely relate to that because my um, parents divorced when i was three and i guess i didn't i guess i didn't really see much mm-hmm. of like what a relationship looked like mm-hmm. so that modeling maybe that's why i'm doing this podcast yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can learn a lot from other people for sure and if you listen yeah. to you know what people i think unfortunately a lot of us have parents who never worked through things and only stayed together because that's what you do mm-hmm. and you know at least my parents generation i think mm-hmm. your mom's was the same mm-hmm. your mom never would have remarried i mean never would have divorced I don't think my parents ever would either but I I don't think I think there's something really healthy about seeing two people work through things and even two people divorcing when they find that it's not the Mm -hmm. best thing you know yeah I know I definitely Uh, um, support my parents decision yeah I would never want and my 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 sister and her husband are going through a separation right now and I I firmly you know believe that they both deserve their happiness and if Mm -hmm. that is them not being together then why wouldn't we support them you know in that but it is it's something that I think um, all kinds of relationship kind of structures help us to understand but I think so many of us don't see our parents somehow feel like it's better to shield us from Mm -hmm. those things yeah and like have the argument behind closed doors and whatever and there were times that Riley would be like are you guys okay because we'd totally like kind of blow up at one another and then Mm-hmm. You know, a couple hours later, we'd go out for a motorcycle ride and, like, be totally fine. But there was, like, this, there is that process, and I think it's so important for humans to be able to understand that you can, that life is going to be shitty. Life is not easy, but you have to, it's like, how do you get through it? How do you, you know, figure mm-hmm. your way around it? And relationships are certainly, like, that's kind of the key, is you have to find your way around through those things not around them but like through them yeah. you know you can't skirt things that are hard and I think a lot of couples never address the things that are hard to begin with which is why the kind of the brutal honesty was so perfect because it was like here it is I'm not going to be acting like I'm not bipolar for the first six months so that right. you fall in love with me like this is me this is you know it's messy and so I think that being we have, able we to just be plane, like, within two weeks three weeks yeah you she were had needles in my ears because I was totally anxious and yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we take good care of one another, I think, mm-hmm. in a way that I've always been really codependent, and I think this is the first, like, healthy healthy attachment, and there's enough codependency to make us a really, like, to really care about mm-hmm. one another and consider one another, but we're also able to be really independent and able to do what we need to do, which I think is 
really, really key, you know, for cool. two people to be able to. Although we have decided two weeks is the max. That we yeah, can be we don't like being apart much longer more than, than that. that. It's just really that is a long time. Yeah, you know how that is. You've done the long distance yeah, thing. Terrible. Yeah, terrible. It's not easy. <laughs> no. yeah. I'm not a fan. So, how was it? Well, what was it like falling in love? Or did you guys say that really quickly? How was that yeah. experience? It was really. Um, I mean, I, it looked like me. I accidentally from the sent a purple heart emoji, and that was kind of like the oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, uh oh, so, is this real? This is actually yeah, happening. Yeah, it wasn't not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, I don't think I've ever felt like I could talk to someone as much as I could talk to Maggie, so. I think it was kind of that feeling of, oh, this is actually what that yeah. feels like. Like, all these times that I've tried to force this thing to feel like this. It kept like happening I so easy, we kept <sighs> having to, like, double check and just be like, wait, is this really, because it was so easy. Yeah. <laughs> Everything just felt like we'd known each other. That was, in fact, that was one of the things we said at first. Was like, I feel like I knew you before yeah. some prior. Like we just had this sort of instant. Um, I just say that one lifetime wasn't enough, and so this is our second or third. Or third. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so. it is. There's something really. Um, I think I'd been in relationships before, and I thought that that I'd had that feeling, but there's something about that really unconditional like I trust and love you but we said it pretty quickly yeah absolutely but so. but I felt it like I yeah mean, sort of even before meeting her like honestly I've never yeah. looked at somebody's picture and been like oh my goodness wow but I think we both had that little yeah. thumbnail like <laughs> I, I, was, I think that's why we had to meet like we wondered is it just a really really cute face and who is this human being but it did take, I think, actually just being in the same space because there's, being far away, you just don't know what that's going to feel like. And we had a sense of what it would feel like, but we had to make sure we were we were right. And we were. And it, it did look like a bit of a, a manic spree from the outside. <laughs> Looking back at it, I'm like, yeah, I can understand why they would have been a little concerned. We bought a house yeah. within... With like three months of, of, <laughs> of being together. Yeah. I mean, everything was just really fast, but it was kind of like... We're old enough to. Kn there's yeah. not. We don't yeah. need much time to know if this is the person. And I think they had a, my family at least had a hard time trusting that we'd really gotten to know one another. And I was like, if you could have been there for our first conversation, Gwen was <laughs> like, all right, these are the things I need to talk about: money, sex. What was the third one? There was something else. Those two caught my caught my <laughs> I was like, Okay, those are pretty intense topics for the first conversation. I, mean, I did need to know if you liked football. Oh, true. Yes. <laughs> she asked me, really scared that I might say yes. She was like, so do you like football? And I'm thinking, oh, shit, I did say I was going to be fully honest. Like, I need to tell her that I hate football. <laughs> but what if she loves football? Because I really like her. And I said, no, I don't like it at all. And she's like, thank goodness. <laughs> wow, how convenient. <laughs> Yeah, it was handy. All the other five things that were deal breakers, yeah, we could right. look over, but totally, that one, totally, no. Yeah. <laughs> Not American football. No. I didn't say anything that I had was rational. <laughs> it's time for our first segment. The segment is called Visions for a Better Future. And to kick it off, we've been blessed with some ideas from Ra Malaika Impotep, a black feminist writer and performance artist. Ra responds to she and they pronouns. All right, here we go. 
So like many folks who are quarantined alone, um, whether that's because you're away from family or you don't have roommates or you just don't have a boo or some convergence of all three, um, I've been thinking and dreaming a lot about touch. Um, and I'm hoping or feeling or wishing or trying to manifest um, that this world in which we are now yearning for so much touch will become a new world in which we understand touch is sacred. And if touch is sacred, then all the ways and places and spaces and conditions under which we touch will then become um like holy and part of all the church metaphors, like that's just where I'm at today. Um, and then so if touch is sacred and the times we touch are holy, then consent would be a part of worship. And I'm saying that to say that I, I, I'm trying to manifest a world in which all this yearning and contemplation of touch we're doing leads us to be like reverent and intentional about the ways and spaces that we touch each other. I feel like like many um, black femmes, like many women, like many um, queer people, like many people generally on this planet, like I've experienced my fair share of unwanted touch. Um, and I think this moment of, of not being able to touch this moment of social distance honestly grants some reprieve um, in very real ways. And I hope that the world that we get on the other side of it is a world in which we don't touch each other carelessly. Like every touch is careful, even like the touch of ourselves, like lately washing my hands has become almost an erotic experience because it's time when like my two hands are touching each other and sliding across each other and the soap and the suds are just doing their thing and it gets all slippery and all that stuff and then I think about when I'm like moisturizing which has always been like a sacred act to me but even more so now because I'm the main person touching my body um so yeah I just I just hope that we can come out of this or move through this um, with a deep, deep reverence for touch as the magic that it is. Like, you know, in like Black feminist poems, um, they, there's a lot of talk about laying on the pants. Um, I wish I could even, I'm actually going to go get this Intozaki Shange poem one second. <laughs> so this is the last poem um, in Intozaki Shange's choreo poem for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. Um, and it's a big, long thing, but I'm just gonna read an, a relevant excerpt. I was missing something, something promised, something free, a laying on of hands. I know about laying on bodies, laying out a man, bringing him all of my full fleshy self and some of my pleasure, being taken full, eager, wet like I get sometimes. I was missing something, a laying on of hands, not a man laying on, not my mama holding me tight, saying I'm always gonna be her girl, not a laying on a bosom of womb, a laying on of hands, the holiness of myself released. So yeah, like I just think there's something there, you know, a land on a pants. I hope my vision for the new world um, is a world in which we lay hands reverently on ourselves and on each other.
with consent. <laughs> you can find Ra through their spiritual political education project, the Church of Black Feminist Thought. The Instagram handle is Black Feminist Study. Ra also invites folks to take a minute to think or write about what it means to touch with care and then share it with somebody you love. I also invite you to share it with us if you want it featured in the next episode. More info on that later. Okay, let's get back to the interview with Maggie and Gwen. <laughs> so what is hard about being in love? Um, Actually, gosh. we just had a fight this morning. Not a fight, but we had... Um, and I don't know what to call it, but there's feelings of jealousy that are we both know are irrational that come up at irrational times, and just working through those without getting defensive. And since we both at times have abandonment abandonment issues, I think like being able to continually let the other person just be who they are, without your own feelings getting in the way, is sometimes hard. So yeah. I would say that for me is is the hardest about like being being absolutely in love with someone because sometimes I, I know it's like I trust Maggie implicitly and I know it's my own shit but it still comes up at the most inopportune yeah, times for both of us so I think for me that's the hardest thing about it yeah I would agree I think for me another thing I was very kind of nomadic and and uh, a bit of a loner before so that's been uh, an adjustment like realizing I didn't know this Oh, yes, you did. This was like one of the very first conversations we had. I was like, there are going to be times that I'll need to just go and be on my own because I tend to recharge a lot of times being on my own. And so that's been interesting. And it's been hard because I've actually had to check in with myself and be like, why are you not needing that time as much as I thought I would need it more than I do? And in past relationships, it was always like a really necessary part of the relationship. And with Gwen, it's like, I mean, if I go out for an hour drive that's kind of all I would really need as time alone. Like I think about where would I travel that I wouldn't want to have her with me and I can't think of any place. Like she's like, Oh, do a photo tour to whatever and I'm like You can go to Bannon without me. Yeah, I could go to some place she really doesn't want to go, but chances are that's not gonna be a place I wanna go either. So um, <laughs> but I think that's for me it has been like all of a sudden going from having no attachments really. I mean I have a lot of attachments but like no family. I didn't have anybody depend on me except this one who really depends on Mama Virginia way more than she does me. Um, We're talking about the dog, yeah. by the way. Yeah, sorry, the dog, <laughs> the dog sitting here between us. Um, Who's so who cute. Previously was the, my only dependent, and I think right now having kids and like that shift has been, it's been hard for me, but it hasn't been, it, it hasn't been as hard as I thought it would, and I, I sometimes wonder like, Am I fooling myself, or is it just, like, this is kind of where I feel like I've me been meant to be, and I, I wish I'd known Gwen sooner, mm -hmm. but, yeah. What do you guys do to self-care in within the relationship and also for yourself? I think we give each other space to, mm -hmm. like Gwen was just saying, kind of just to, to fall apart if we fall apart, or to be whatever kind of messy whatever thing we are. Um, and that's really important as far as like giving the other person space. I think part of the time that we have a hard time in a relationship is when we're not able to 
to feel the way we feel or act the way mm. we, you know, like sometimes we just have shitty, shitty days. And, and so we always try to be really honest with one another with the, the questions of like jealousy too. Like we'll tell one another, like I have this feeling and it's not rational, but I want you to know mm-hmm. because I, we both believe that it's better to just have all the shit on the table and not be, because I think that's where a lot of relationship issues come from not working through stuff and not addressing things and just kind of um, the resentment builds and mm-hmm. you end up getting pissed about something that if you had just talked about it kind of the first time around it would diffuse things and um, so I don't know if that I don't even know if that uh, Maggie yeah. takes pretty you do a lot of motorcycle rides and that's self-care for yeah. her I we love to drive and listen to music we both do photography mm-hmm. um, I I think for me, part of it, living and working in the same space, um, for me, a lot of times my peace comes from getting out of mm-hmm. the hotel and um, taking Potch out to run, for example. Not me running, just the dog running. Because <laughs> that just would not be peaceful. <laughs> if anybody listens to this, they'd be like, Maggie doesn't run. I just want to be clear. Uh, Potch runs and I sit and read a book. <laughs> um, but I think that that's the nice thing is we can actually have time to recharge like that together. It's not like we have to have this separate mm-hmm. time. Like we, we actually both get um, a lot of peace out of the same sorts of activities. So a lot of times we'll go and just I mean, turn up the music and just kind of be, but it feels like I've never been able to feel that way with another person. Like I've always needed sort of the separation to recharge, but I think we each support one another in our self-care and like each... Mm-hmm are really um, adamant about the other one taking care of their needs, even if it means being apart for a time or whatever it is. Like, I'm going to head back to the States in a few weeks to visit with my family, and partly because my niece and nephew are going through this thing, and it's hard to be far away. But um, And I'll stay here. Yeah, but it's... I think that that's something I, I kind of feel like I shouldn't go, that's not right, and Glenn's like, this is something that you need to do for you, and I think that sort of being able to understand and support one another, um, especially two people who are kind of have a tendency to be codependent, we have to remind one another, like, mm-hmm. it's okay to do something that takes care of you, even if maybe I'll miss you or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Um, but yeah, I think... I think we both, it, it sounds, our conversations often sound a bit like a therapy session because Gwen's got an MSW and I've had lots of therapy myself. I, so. use, the, I use the phrase holding space for that a yeah. lot more than I should, yeah. probably. But it sounds a bit nauseating sometimes probably. where we're like, I need you to hear me right now and like what I hear is, I mean, it's just, it's like, <laughs> it's okay. Like, oh, that's but great. there is really something lovely about being able to separate out kind of our reaction to something and kind of responding to what that person is telling us mm-hmm. and, and that's, yeah. that's taken me a lot of years to <laughs> to separate those two things. I've been obsessing over listening to these Janelle Monet, who's an artist that I love her interviews and she has this thing that she says that we should listen to understand not to respond. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a good that's yeah very good way to look at it. I think off, too often our you know, our ego kind of gets in the way and we respond to how that makes us feel versus just really hearing the other mm-hmm. person. And so I think it's, it is good to be with somebody who you know you can really listen to and who will really listen to you, who will love you even if you're like as messy as can be. And I don't know that I've ever felt that in any relationship, like the safety of really being able to say whatever it is that's on my mind. 
and knowing that, that even if there is a reaction, it's going to be brief and I know she'll hear what I'm saying and um, I, I'm trying to be able to do the same. <laughs> I You're mean, really good you at know. it. You're really good at doing yeah. the same thing. I tend to be very reactive. Um, that's just part of my, my nature. What do you do to self-care? Um, I love to read and I I used to run a lot, and I'm trying to figure out something other than running, so I've done a little bit of yoga. She knits for everybody. She makes things for everybody. I wasn't going to say that, because that sounds so, like, <laughs> I'm 66 you years know, old. No, it's the coolest um, knitting. I do some home skills, is how we call them in Portland. Uh, home skills. <laughs> Knitting's cool. It should have pride. It's really cool. She bake. I mean, she can bake anything, being a good Mennonite. Um, has great baking skills. I wouldn't say I'm a good Mennonite. No, no, she's got good baking skills. (laughs) Having been a Mennonite. (laughs) But um, we go for motorcycle rides together. I love that. That's one of my favorite activities for sure. Segment time. Segment time. Splitting the podcast up with some segment time. Hey, it's time for another segment. This segment is one where we bring you things that we are learning about, things that might help us get free, that might teach us about revolutions. This week, Bria Brown is going to teach us a little bit about mutual aid. Hey y'all, I'm Bria, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about mutual aid. First, I'm going to read the definition from BigDoorBrigade.com regarding what is mutual aid and how it's different from charity work. Alrighty. Here's the quote. Mutual aid is when people get together to meet each other's basic survival needs with a shared understanding that the systems we live in right now are not going to meet our needs and we can do it together right now. Mutual aid projects are a form of political participation in which people take responsibility for caring for one another and changing political conditions, not just through symbolic acts or putting pressure on their representatives in government, but by actually building new social relations that are more survivable. Most mutual aid projects are volunteer-based, with people jumping in to participate because they want to change what's going on right now, not wait to convince corporations or politicians to do the right thing. A few critical concepts. Mutual aid is not charity. Charity is based off of the concept of the rich helping the poor um, because they f- it makes them feel good or because they get tax breaks. <laughs> um, mutual aid is not hierarchical. Mutual aid is horizontal. And we'll leave some links in the description um, of some folks talking about what mutual aid is. Mutual aid has a long, long history, a long history, like Black Panther, other revolutionary organizations have have created mutual aid programs under that name or otherwise um, for for a long history. So um, if you're seeing a lot of conversation around mutual aid right now because we're in a pandemic, it's because people are losing their jobs, don't have resources, are too immunocompromised to just start going out into the world despite what our government officials want us to believe we can do. then what you're seeing is uh, a history of work coming to the very forefront because of the conditions that we're in right now. So again, mutual aid is about people helping people um, in a horizontal way. It's not a capitalist exchange. It's about like, what do you need that I have? Um, What can I give to my community to strengthen my community? That can be money, food, resources, education, um, all, all kinds of stuff. It's not, it's not about, I'll give you this, but you have to do this with the money. It's not, it's not that, um, <laughs> um, it's not nonprofit work. 
work. It is people work. It is community work. And the beauty of mutual aid is that it's community helping community and people helping people. So you can tap into mutual aid by, you know, giving what you can, but also asking for what you need. So if you have extra money, you can think about tapping into a mutual aid network. You can think about tapping into um, networks of um, activists and organizers who are giving out PPE, who are doing runs for groceries for people. Um, or you can even think about giving money to bail out funds so that people can get out of prison um, during a global pandemic. Um and then also uh, organizations that might be helping with um, reentry and things like that so that people can get out of prison but also have places to go and have the things that they need um, to be safe once they are released. So, um, yeah, that's just some things we're learning about here during the pandemic um, and outside of the pandemic and just like as we're surviving under capitalism. So. So I'm going to send you to bigdoorbrigade.com slash what is mutual aid. They have a lot of resources talking about um, bottom-up strategies. We'll leave a bunch of information um, for how you can tap in with your community in this way. So thanks. Thanks for listening. Again, I'm Bria. And uh, good luck out there, everybody. So I have one last question which I think is a really cute question. Um, what is something that each of you are proud of yourself, like involving your love journey? I'm proud of myself? I'm in a Spanish-speaking country speaking Spanish. <laughs> it's been like one of my bucket list dreams. I live in that hotel that she described on the very first day of class. Like, that's awesome. And I think that only happens because we were honest with each other, but... Yeah. I think for Facing me... Facing your fears. Um, yeah. Yeah. For me, probably, le like, um, having let myself fall for the person who I really fell for, not kind of... I think in the past, my self-esteem issues, I've always kind of been moved by somebody having feelings for me. and that's not a basis for a relationship and so for the first time I was able to like you did a little chasing I chase yeah and I had I, I hadn't didn't run very fast <laughs> no she didn't run very fast she definitely <laughs> let herself I, get I caught I kept looking back to yeah. make sure you were still yeah. coming um, you did have to <laughs> slow down a little because I'm not fast but it was um, more like a walk yeah I think I think for me that was part of it like letting myself really um, love myself enough to not to not get into something for the wrong reasons, which I, that was what my, I think my history was before Gwen was, I mean, not that I, she didn't chase me simultaneously know, to, in her own way, <laughs> but um, I think it was really healthy to finally be like, I want this because I'm totally whole and healthy myself, and this is a person who I could see kind of being alongside me. Mm -hmm. Compinche. My sidekick, as she likes to say. I, I yeah. am a sidekick. No, she's <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, do you guys have yeah. any uh, anything else that you wanted to say or any last thoughts on love? Falling in love should be really, really easy. Like, it should come easily. I, every day I wake up, I love Maggie more, and it just comes from this place inside of me. But it's, it's effortless. hard. But it's also hard work. Like 
you know, kind of curbing your reactions while you're trying to listen to someone else, like those types of, that type of work. But loving someone should just, it should just happen. And I think, like with Maggie, I've tried to love other people so hard, and you can for a brief period, I think, but true love is really, really easy. And that, and does that, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, and I think uh, one time I I had had well, I guess they call it serial monogamy. I'd had a number of like a couple year relationships, and I remember the last time one ended, my brother was like, "But Maggie, you know it's it's hard work. You've got to work hard at it." And I was like, "Yeah, you do. I don't mean to say that I expect true love to be easy." but it should be worth it. Like mm. at the end of the day, it shouldn't be like, God, this is more effort than, than good. Mm. And I think with Gwen, it's like there is, there's a, as much as it's hard work to work through things, largely things that are internal, kind of like our own little tiny child selves that are still, mm. you know, easily hurt by stuff. Mm. But like the actual emotion is really effortless, yeah, that which is, is really important. I think that's one of the things that, I think I would recommend to people just don't be so eager to find somebody because there is something really beautiful about being alone. Gwen was in a relationship that was pretty distant and she had, as much as she was with somebody, she had time to really kind of become who she Mm -hmm. is. And I think we oftentimes kind of rush, at least I did in my 20s, kind of like rushed into like, I want to find that person and do everything with that person. And it's like, what would my life be like now had I done that? I, I mean, I wouldn't have done... I probably wouldn't have done this. I probably wouldn't have bought a hotel in Ecuador <laughs> and had the freedom to be like, I'm, I'm moving. I don't have anything holding mm-hmm. me down. Like, there's something I think really important about giving ourselves that freedom. And maybe you can find that within a relationship. But I think oftentimes, we we don't find that in relationship, at least not early on. Like, I think Gwen and I have come to a point where we can both give each other, give one another what we need, and also give one another the space to continue to develop you know individually I think is really important so I would say don't do the don't don't you haul it until you know kind of who you are because it takes knowing who you are to know if the person that you're with is the person that you should be with I think awesome that's great advice well yay I'm so happy for you guys (laughs) huge shout out to Maggie and Gwen for sharing their story with us they wanted to give a shout out to the hotel that they were living at at the time called La Posada del Quinde. It's a super queer friendly vibe, even though Maggie and Gwen don't run it anymore. If you ever find yourself in Otavalo, Ecuador, you can find it at posadaquinde.com. And to send us those ideas about touching with care, you can email a voice note or letter to starstruckstuff at gmail.com. Also, big shout out to Bria Brown, who edited this podcast and brought us the mutual aid section. And since you made it to the end of the credits, you get an extra special treat. Bria and I recently installed a bidet on our toilet because we had been pondering it as a way to reduce our use of toilet paper and have cleaner butts overall. So I recorded Bria testing it out. You're welcome. Bria is about to test the bidet. <laughs> we spent 24 hours trying to install. <laughs> okay, so what is your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Sorry. <laughs>
I mean, it really is incredible. Like, it just washes your ass. <laughs> is the pressure just, strong? Like, I'm kind of scared. Yeah, it's like, it's it's coming out of there. It really is. And it actually, I think we could have it permanently so it goes to the butt area because at first, yeah, like, it was a vagina. <laughs> like, it was not angled to go up. But the, it's great. Like, I have a big behind. Do you think some people masturbate with it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a little cold. I know we didn't splurge for the spa. <laughs> the spa one, but it is a little chilly. It might be rough in the winter. Might It might be rough. Like, we might need to sell this one in the winter and get the spa. <laughs> sell so it. Have the Here's our used bidet. <laughs> it never touched our butts. Yeah. Just cleaned it. <laughs> Thank you so much for making it to the end. This project is so much love, and I hope you can feel it. Okay, bye.